Hello, everyone, and welcome to Irenicast. We are a post-evangelical podcast of ministers and theological thinkers grappling with our place in the progressive Christian world. Thank you for joining us for another conversation on faith and culture. This week, Alan and Mona are not with me, but I'm happy to announce that we have a wonderful interview for you. I'm sure, probably at this point, we may be a little election out uh, when it comes to everything that's happened in the last few months. Uh, however, we have a guest with us. Her name is Angelina. She is a former student from one of my youth groups who has turned into an amazing young woman and has got involved in the political process on a, on a level that probably most of us are fairly ignorant to. I know at least I am. Uh, she was actually a delegate for the DNC for Bernie um, during the um, Democratic National Convention. And I thought it would be great to have her on. We were going to have her on earlier, but um, it just wasn't able to happen in a timely manner before the election. But now that we've had time to breathe and think and figure things out, I thought it would be a good idea to have... Uh, just some perspective on this process, the good and the bad, and uh, hopefully somewhere in there, find some hope for where we are continuing to go. So Angelina, thank you so much for joining the show this week. Yeah, of course. I'm happy to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Virtually. (laughs) Yes, that's right. We are in the the cloud studio. I guess that's what we can call it. It looks great. Yeah, it is, right? It's very spacious in here. All right. Well, Angelina, tell tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Um, I am 24. I grew up in California, moved to Canada for a little bit, lived in Austin, Texas for a few years after that, and somehow found myself in Colorado Springs, Colorado. So you're, you're 24 and a world traveler? <laughs> I mean, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> More like just can't figure out where I want to live. But now I am in a 30-year mortgage, so I'll be here for a while. Oh, well, yeah, that, that tends to keep you in place for <laughs> at least a little bit. Yeah. So how how did you even get involved? First of all, I just have to tell our listeners that, that Angelina is one of the most amazing young women that I have ever encountered in my time in youth ministry. Uh, she's very driven, uh, has this intense and deep passion and compassion for people uh, of all places in life. So it does not surprise me that she stepped into the political realm, but it does leave me with so many questions. And I know we've talked off air on a few of these things, but uh, tell us, first of all, how how do you even get to be a delegate for a presidential candidate? Like, what does that mean? What is that process? Like, do you just wake up one day and say, hey, I'm going to be a delegate today? Like, where, where did this come from? <laughs> um, it's kind of how it works, actually. But first of all, this is my first time being involved politically. I actually happened upon some Facebook posts about Bernie probably, I guess, a little over a year ago now, early fall, and I became really interested that in who he was, and I was really attracted to a lot of his platform. I have some friends who are pretty involved in the political process in Austin, And so they were posting a lot of things and I was just learning more and more and more and actually learning how this whole system works, um, at least at least a little bit. So at the time when I learned about Bernie, I actually wasn't I didn't even have my Colorado driver's license. Um, I've lived here now for about two years, but at that time I still had actually my California license. Um, I wasn't a registered voter here or anything like that. So early December, I finally started researching 
how I can vote. I knew that some sort of voting thing coming up that in order to cast my vote for Bernie that I needed to participate in. So I went and did some research, found out that I only had like two weeks left to register as a voter in Colorado. So I had to go and rush and get my driver's license, register to vote, and then wait, I guess, for uh, Super Tuesday. So in Colorado, we have or we had a caucus rather than a primary. So what's the difference between a caucus and a primary? Sure. So a caucus is an event that you attend. It has a start time and an end time. You go to this event and you basically meet up with your neighborhood or your precinct. You discuss who you want your the nominee to be for your party. And you try to convince other people to come to your side of the room. And you try to convince the people that are undecided to come to your side of the room. And the side of the room that has the most people at the end gets the most votes or delegates for that precinct. Wow, that that sounds like the mock election I did in second grade. Yep, that, <laughs> that's kind of what it is. <laughs> um, and then a primary is, to my knowledge, I actually haven't participated in a primary, but a primary is basically you just go and it's all, you just fill out a ballot and there's not the discussion part. So for the caucus, once that room decides, because that's your local precinct, so once that precinct decides who they voted for by the room exercise, then they send their result, and then all the caucuses. That's how, like, that's the vote. Um, no, there's so there's a few different there's a few different caucuses that you have to attend. The first one that you go to is your precinct caucus or your neighborhood caucus, as makes more sense to me. So for example, we went to our local junior high and there was uh, hundreds of people there and we all divided up into our neighborhoods. Then from there, your precincts, depending upon the population of your precinct is assigned X amount of delegates. After you do the whole room thingy, you get X amount of delegates for each candidate. From there at another scheduled time, you go to your County caucus do the same kind of thing. You also vote on a lot of other things, like things you want to adopt to the platform. There's a lot of discussion. It's an all-day thing. Ours started at 7 a.m. and ended early, actually, at like 5 p.m. Oh, my goodness. And then, <laughs> and then you get – you vote again for who you want your nominee to be, and each side is assigned X amount of delegates. And then from there, you go to – your state, or I'm sorry, you go to your con congressional district caucus, which is on another date. And then from there, you do the same thing. And then you go to your state caucus. Wow. And then they do the whole thing again statewide for the people that have decided to go through the process. Correct. Because this is open to anyone. Do you have to register to be a part of the caucus? So you have to be a, in Colorado, you had to be a registered Democrat or registered Republican. Yeah. In order to participate, obviously. But um, I don't think, to my memory, um, I don't think there was any extra forms or anything that you had to fill out to go all the way to your state convention. But you just, just the stamina, I guess, right? <laughs> to get through yeah. all of those, uh, those gatherings. Yeah. It, yeah. It was a lot. It was a lot of time, <laughs> a lot of money. And, um, if you decide that you want to go to nationals, then it is a lot of work. Okay, so then once you have gone through and you you made it all the way to the state caucus mm -hmm. meeting, is that when they figure out who the delegate is? So 
your congressional district has X amount of national delegates that it can select for each candidate. And people, that's actually where I was elected. I was elected at my congressional district level. The way that we did it was they let everybody, which we had a ton of people that said that they wanted to go to the DNC. Everybody who has volunteered to do that will just announce their name. And that's all the, that's all the time that we had available for people. So in past years, to my knowledge, they allowed people like X amount of minutes to, to give like a little speech or let the population know who they are so they know who they're voting for. We only had time to give our give our names. I was lucky enough that people had got to know me over time. I got involved with like this little local like activist group and stuff. So anyways, they pick their people there. Um, you don't find out until later on who won, I guess, <laughs> or who was elected. And then at state level, there are at-large delegates, which is which are people that the entire state of Colorado will vote upon. So when you go to each of these caucuses, you're still voting for who you want your candidate to be. Mm -hmm. Um, Depending upon how many votes each person gets will depend, will then determine how many delegates they get. And that delegate number dwindles down up until state. Okay. I see. Um, So Sorry, it's really confusing. <laughs> yeah, no, and that's that's and that's really why I wanted to have you on because this whole process, like I'm sure it varies from state to state, district to district, and all that kind of stuff. But at least a little window, I think, is helpful for all of us to be like, okay, that there's there's <laughs> there's a lot of things that are very convoluted in our process, and uh, I feel yeah. like myself, probably at the top of the list, are very ignorant with how like the inner workings of how these things actually happen. So I appreciate the clarification. So once. Your delegates are chosen, then it's it's off to the DNC, right? So it's off to represent your candidate or represent the candidates for that and then vote for them at the, the national convention. And that's when they decide who the candidate's going to be based off the delegate votes, right? Right. In more, more, more or less. Yeah. I mean, I wish it was as simple as and you're off to the DNC. Um, but there was specifically in Colorado, there was a bit of drama. Um, you also, as a delegation, you have to select delegate chair and most typically that's your state party chair so like the person who's in charge of the colorado democratic party most typically it's that person but in this situation our state party chair was pledged hillary and a lot of the bernie delegates didn't feel that it was fair to have someone leading the delegation who was pledged who's pledged their vote to the candidate that didn't win majority of the state so oh, okay. there was a lot of drama in that. That seems to be something that happened on a regular basis. So before we get into the DNC, because I'm sure we have uh, many stories from that particular instance, um, th- this whole process, like, that's a, that's a significant time commitment. Like, you are giving... Oh, yeah. I mean, I can't imagine sitting, like, you know, working in church as long as I have, like, I, I barely get through an hour staff meeting, you know, like... <laughs> Uh, but so the stamina and the dedication that you have. So what is it about, uh, Bernie's platform in particular that, that motivated you to, to, to walk through this entire process? Like what was it that captured you about his platform? I don't think that there was one specific thing that just made me fall in love with Bernie and just be really attracted to what he was about. I think it was just him as a person he, I feel like he is looking out legitimately and genuinely is looking out for everybody. I think 
that with other candidates or other just politicians in general, it's more obvious that there are biases and maybe hesitations to hold certain stances on things because of outside factors, whether that be people relying upon them to vote a certain way or I don't know, just a lot of things that that we don't we don't see, I guess, as just regular people. Bernie has just always come across as extremely genuine and again, just looking out for everybody. Um, and he's been like that since, you know, since day one. Mm-hmm. So, and so I've appreciated his consistency and again, just the fact that he really is looking out for everybody. So were those things so important to you because you felt the system was the opposite of those things? Yes. In a lot of ways, in a lot of ways, our system is definitely broken. A lot of our, a lot of our systems in general in America, I feel like are broken um, from our political system to our education system, to the way that we treat our veterans, to the disability system and social security. And I don't know. I also felt like Bernie called things out as far as like racism existing in our country. Um, I feel like he was really upfront about that being a serious issue and something that still affects a lot of people on a day-to-day basis. Mm -hmm. So once you were chosen as a delegate and once it was time to go to the DNC, uh, the process up to that point, this point, was it a a positive experience uh, despite the drama that you'd mentioned before or like, what are you feeling and what kind of encounters are you having during this process? Oh man. Um, it was stressful. First of all, you have to raise a ton of money. And I did some mission trips when I was younger. So I, you know, I had a decent amount of experience raising my own funds and, um, stuff like that. But the projected cost was $6,000 to attend the DNC to represent your community. Yeah. And there's different qualifications for the delegates. Like they need a certain amount of people to represent the youth vote, certain amount of people to represent the LGBT community. But as a 24-year-old who was elected, I'm assuming, on behalf of the female and youth vote, it's a little bit hard for me just to come up with $6,000 so that I can go to Philadelphia. So that was a major stressor. Other than that, I was nervous, that's for sure. I had no idea what to expect in Philadelphia. Something that was difficult for me throughout the entire process was sorting through all of the conspiracies and all of just the drama and the negative, the negativity. And did you encounter that negativity and drama throughout the entire process, or did it intensify as you went closer to the DNC? Um, I would say I encountered it throughout the entire process, but as I got closer to the DNC, I think the entire nation was. Um, feeling that and kind of producing it as well. So can so. you, was there an instance that kind of, that kind of becomes a metaphor for you on, on, on the, the way that that drama looked like, did you have a specific instance with people or was it something that you observed with the way that both sides were discussing which candidate or discussing might be not the right word or arguing or whatever happened in that situation? Honestly, the most trauma in the most conspiracy uh, that was going around was mainly within the delegation. Those also were the people that I had the most contact with at the time. They 
consumed my life and they had to because all of us were working towards this goal and there were constant meetings and that sort of thing. So that was an interesting experience in itself, just trying to figure out, okay, who of these people, in my opinion, have their head on straight and who can I trust and who's, you know, whose opinion should I take a little bit more lightly and just trying to, you know, figure out where I fit in all of that as well. The heart of politics, and, right? Yeah. And I definitely didn't fit in the middle of it. That's for sure. Um, so it was interesting also like feeling like an outsider um, within the group of outsiders. Hmm. So, so what, what was the primary reason that, that, that made you feel like an outsider? Uh, clearly like, from from my end, watching the news and trying to be as informed as possible, it seemed like one of uh, one of Bernie's largest bases was, you know, young. I don't like to use the term millennials, but I'll use it just for the sake of, of something. <laughs> I hate that, that term. Too. <laughs> yeah, well, good. I'm glad. Uh, but uh, younger adults seem to be a, a really large base for Bernie. And uh, so was that your demographic? What made you feel like an outsider or was it something else? What made me feel like an outsider within my delegation was that mostly that I wasn't Bernie or bust, hmm. which just to elaborate on that term, meaning that no matter who wins the nomination at the DNC, they were going to continue to vote Bernie. So because you were supporting Bernie, you didn't get you felt an outsider with Hillary crowd, but because you wouldn't be full on like I'm going to go with Bernie no matter what happens, then you weren't fully accepted by the Bernie crowd. Right. And and the fact that I was more hesitant to just jump on that bandwagon. I like to really research things and process things, especially things that are really important. Um, and I, I felt a lot of responsibility to do the right thing and to you know really research things and really understand how processes work. And if I vote for this person to do this job or if I agree on this stance, like what does it actually mean and how will it affect things in the in the long term and that sort of stuff. So it was an interesting experience, even to this day, like there's still like a little bit of that crowd, the, you know, people that were big Bernie supporters that and I'm a part of some of those communities where I still kind of feel like, you know, I'm somewhere, I'm not, I don't quite fit with those people. I, I didn't then. And now I didn't quite fit with the, with the Hillary people somewhere, somewhere in between leaning, leaning Bernie, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> All right. So, so what you, you mentioned conspiracies, what, what conspiracies were common among the, the delegates and then how many of them actually turned out to be true? Because I, from what I understand, a few of them actually did. Um, oh yeah. Like the, the stuff we found out from emails and things like that. Um, I don't know with that kind of stuff. It, it was, it wasn't a surprise to me when those became true. Just because it's politics, <laughs> I yeah. guess. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, they shouldn't be true. And that's part of why I got involved with the process, with um, the political process, because there are things that shouldn't be true and unfortunately are, like like certain campaigns spying on a different campaign's delegates and like that sort of thing. But you know, honestly, I was so busy, and I feel like other delegates could relate to this. I was so busy sifting through our state's delegations drama that I really didn't stay up to date on a lot of the other conspiracies that were going on, like on a national level. So it was just, it was just so much that you just had to, it was a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I can't imagine you're sitting there for hours at a time, you know, 
talking through, probably going in circles many times, figuring out which side are we going to go for and uh, to hold all that in is uh, it's, it's a remarkable thing. Like I'm even thinking about it, I'm kind of stressed out. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, you know, and I, I mostly mean like between the state convention and the DNC, which I don't know. I don't want to like get into specific details of that because I think it was more sp- well, maybe it wasn't. I was going to say it was more specific to our delegation, but from the sounds of it, it wasn't. Just a lot of like, oh, the Hillary delegates are out to get us and they aren't including us in this and this and this. And there's a lot of Facebook groups, <laughs> um, a lot of posts to catch up on, a lot of rants. We actually had one delegate drop out. So that was hard. And then at the same time, just keeping it in my head that. I was elected to represent a specific community. This community is relying upon me to represent them and they trust me to best represent them. And therefore basically telling myself to trust my gut because these people trusted me. It was a lot of pressure, but I was happy to do it and I was honored to do it for sure. So let's talk about the, the, the main event. So once you get to the DNC, what is, you know, from from most of us at home, we're sitting there. We maybe we'll watch the speech, or we won't even watch the speech. We'll see like the YouTube highlight, or we'll watch. <laughs> you know, we'll watch the main speakers. But as far as watch Colbert give a recap or something, exactly yeah. right. <laughs> um, you know, no John Stewart this time, but you know. Uh, <laughs> but um, so, but a lot of videos this time were leaking about you know. Uh, the kind of thing that was going on, even during some of the speeches, you, you there seemed to be a bit of a, a ruckus with uh, <laughs> Bernie supporters, uh, yeah. you know, chanting his name. Or uh, so there definitely wasn't like I, I don't know if they were intentional in trying to hide it, but you could definitely feel that there was some sort of tension there. So what was it like being there? Like what when you when you get there? Like what's the process? How did, how does all that work? Sure. Well, first of all, it was exhausting. That's for sure. Just to go over scheduling wise, because. That was one of the biggest shockers for me. Um, So when you first get there, we, to save money, I actually flew with some of our other delegates to New York a week before. Um, And at the time I was working from home. So I was able to to fly out there to New York, work for a couple of days and then take a bus down to Philadelphia because it was way cheaper than flying into Philadelphia itself. So we got there Saturday, Sunday, everyone's kind of getting there. You, first of all, you're assigned a hotel. Um, by state. We were lucky enough that we weren't assigned one of the hotels that was located like 45 minutes, an hour, hour and a half out of the city um, and out of the actual convention center. So we were sharing our hotel with, I think, like Nevada and Kansas, I think, maybe. I don't remember. But so you're getting to know all these other delegates. Everything is on like super lockdown. Like you see a bunch of police cars everywhere. There was Throughout the entire week, there was like a ton of Secret Service, which kind of made you feel like a badass because um, <laughs> they're there to protect you. But anyway, so you get there and then the DNC throws this big party, which was a lot of fun because, I don't know, it was like before all of the big stress and I definitely appreciated it. There was also like open bars and a ton of local restaurants and it was just a really good time to get to know the people are, that you're going to be spending the next week with um, making some pretty important decisions. So your actual day would start with a delegation breakfast at 8 a.m. where you would go and you would eat fake eggs with your delegation and um, get assigned your 
credentials for the day, which was basically your your pass to get in. Um, and then you get out around 9.30. So then you have a few hours to get food, take a nap, do laundry, do whatever you need to do to get ready. Or if you have a lot of extra time, you could go to some of the classes that they had um, going on throughout the day. Democracy for America had a couple that I was actually able to attend, but most of the time you don't really have any free time because you immediately have to go and get your stuff that you actually will need that night. And then you have to hop on a bus that has secret service agents on it, which is the part that makes you feel like you're a big deal um, and ride like 20 minutes or so over to the actual convention center and make sure that you're in your seats before gavel all the while making sure that you're, you actually know what's going on, if gavel time changed, if there's anything important going on before that. So it's a lot of just like adapting as you go. So then you go, then you're actually at the convention and you would go throughout the day and listen to a bunch of people talk and make decisions on things and visit some vendors that are there and listen to press conferences. And you're there probably until about 11-ish, I think. And then you have to wait for your bus to come get you. And then you have to drive another 20 minutes, which takes 45 minutes because they block off the freeways for you. And you have to like wait for all of that to happen and then wait for all these other buses, which I'm not complaining. I'm totally thankful that they blocked everything off for us because I was legit pretty nervous about um, violence and things like that. And then they take you back to your hotel and then every night there's an after party that you're like, you probably should go to because certain States like host the after party. And I remember the first night it was one of the other States staying in our hotel that had their after party. Then the next night was ours. And then the next night was like the, some somebody's birthday party, like one of our mayor's birthday parties. And it's 1am you're exhausted. There's this after party in quotes um, that you're supposed to go to, but you have to be up at, you know, 7 a.m. So a lot of the times we didn't end up going to bed till like three or four because we also haven't eaten. And you go to this party where everyone's just sad because and tired because of what we've experienced. And then you repeat it. So that was basically our day. What was the diversity makeup of the delegates that were there? Like, you know, you you and I grew up in uh, in an area that was very white right yeah yeah (laughs) it was uh you know so obviously the 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 democrats are more on a platform of diversity than the republicans were uh did you feel that that was represented in the actual delegates like did you look around and feel like okay this is a good representation of america more or less leaning towards more i would say um i was within the bernie delegation so i have more experience with, with those people. And I would say the Bernie delegation was pretty diverse. One thing that I would say needs to change is how the DN, the DNC treats delegates with disabilities. We had two blind delegates that were elected and one of them ended up dropping out for a lot of reasons, but our one delegate that was able to still attend and um, chose to attend had a lot of problems. He, this is some of the drama, but the delegation that was sitting in front of us was the Louisiana delegation. Um, in Colorado was, so you have the floor seats and then it, the risers kind of begin 
right at the base of the risers, Louisiana took up probably like three rows and we were right behind them. Louisiana was pretty heavily Hillary and the Bernie people, our Bernie folks were right behind them. And there was a lot of drama that got stirred up during the week. And at one point, our blind delegates, Kane, fell down the bleachers and they actually like kicked it out onto the floor and then refused to give it to him. Um, oh, geez. So that happens. Yeah. They also, the DNC themselves actually refused. Well, I don't think refuse is the best term. They were, they took their time with telling him that he could have an aide with him. And at first he was, you know, he was trying to, to fight for someone that he knew to go with him as um, a sighted aide, um, someone that could stay with him and like help him around the hotel and help him around the city and help him at the actual DNC. And they waited up until basically the last minute to tell him that he was, he was able to have somebody. And at that point he didn't have the funds to, or anybody that was able to go because, you know, it takes a lot. <laughs> you have to call out, call out a work for a week. Um, not just anybody it has the ability to do that. So they, I believe that they assigned him somebody, but just the whole process was really difficult for him. And I know that other um, delegates with disabilities also ran into issues as well. Wow. So then, so you go and you're, you're there for all the speakers. You have some time in between you have to be back. When does the voting start and how does that exactly work? For the nominee? Yeah. So there, this I knew. I know that there was a lot of conspiracies going around with this. Um, the way that we did it this year, and I'm not sure. From what I heard from other delegates that had gone to conventions before, this is usually how it goes. So Tuesday was when we did the actual voting. Tuesday at breakfast with your state delegation, everyone was given paper ballots, and each each ballot had your name on it. And you circled or you colored in the bubble of the candidate that you were voting for. Then later on, we had a roll call vote, which gave each state the opportunity to announce how many delegates for each candidate their state had. That was, and there was drama with that too, but I know that stirred up a lot of conspiracies going around and people were thinking that people's votes weren't weren't counted and then when they did the roll call votes that certain people announced the vote improperly and all of this kind of stuff that was when you actually do the vote so you do it with your state in the morning and then they announce it later on that evening and there's no and i mean there's there's ways that it could happen but it would have been really hard for someone to like fudge the numbers because in the democratic party there aren't any secret ballots so you could just go back and look at who somebody voted for if it came into question. So some of the conspiracies were regarding people were changing votes and right that or that you know certain people weren't allowed to vote or you know they changed oh that was the big one was that that day they changed gavel time which they changed literally every day. And the big thing was like if you weren't in your seat at gavel you couldn't participate which really didn't turn out to be the case but on that actual Tuesday there was drama or there were uh, conspiracies going around that they changed the gavel time on purpose so that Bernie delegates wouldn't be able to get there and that they only told Hillary delegates that gavel time was changed and therefore 
when we did the roll call vote, the Bernie delegates didn't count, which wasn't the case. Our state delegation chair, in my opinion, did a really good job at communication. And when gavel time was changed, he was told and he would tell us as well as the actual DNC telling us because we also got those emails. Um, There were delegates who were a part of delegations that didn't have that great of communication, it sounds like. But long story short, that conspiracy was not true. (laughs) Um, Or that that idea that uh, they changed gavel time to hurt uh, Bernie's delegates isn't true. So so what was the overall atmosphere like how did how did you feel throughout this process um really tired (laughs) i would say overall it was it was sad (laughs) a lot of us especially as bernie delegates we felt disenfranchised felt like we weren't actually a part of the democratic party um for a number of reasons and what, what were some of those reasons? Was it the other delegates or was it the the leaders of the conference? Like, w- what are some specific things that made you feel that way? So Monday, as soon as we get there, they started with Hillary this and Hillary that. And it was more than obvious that their nominee had already been chosen um, when we hadn't even voted yet at that point. It who, kind who's of, they? Sorry. The, no worries. The, the DNC. The okay. um the leaders of the the correct party yeah the le- the leaders of the party i mean <laughs> from the shirts that they had for sale to the speakers everything was hillary 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 which i'm not delusional <laughs> well at least for the most part and i knew <laughs> that the chances of bernie being our nominee were pretty slim but i don't know it wasn't fair to me In my opinion, I don't feel like it was fair to just basically shove Hillary down our throats and tell us to get in line, which literally I was told, you know, join the party, get in line. By other delegates? Yes, Mm. by other delegates. First of all, that's not who I am. (laughs) Second of all, that's not fair. And third of all, since when has Bernie ever attracted someone (laughs) that just falls in line and does what everyone else is doing or does what's right because someone says it's right? Mm -hmm. That was one of the harder experiences of the week and that continued throughout the entire week. But I don't know. I feel like every single person there represented a community, represented a community, a community of Democrats and represented a community of our nation. And it's unfair to act like those people aren't even there And that's exactly what it felt like. It felt like they were treating us like we weren't there and like our vote actually didn't matter because they had already decided who was going to win. One quote that I heard people saying was, um, or chant to at times, was this is is a commercial, not a convention. And I would have to agree with that, which is really disheartening (laughs) Um, because I don't feel like that's democracy and... I don't know. It just sucked. It just sucked. (laughs) Something else that sucked (laughs) while we were at the DNC was people assuming that because people, by people I mean specifically party officials and Hillary delegates, uh, maybe some Bernie delegates too, but people automatically assuming that because you're young and you have a Bernie pin on you and you're a Bernie delegate that you're a bad person or you're, you're a part of like the troublemakers. 
you know, I do understand that there were a lot of people at the DNC, a lot of Bernie delegates that chose to express their frustration in more vocal ways. Um, I wasn't one of them. Um, some of them also, like in a lot of, in my opinion, that were disrespectful or at least borderline disrespectful ways. I chose not to participate in that. Um, again, with the idea that I'm trying to be a bridge builder and I feel like that just made me kind of stand out more um, if I participated in that group. There was a time where I had been gone, like I was at a Nina Turner press conference and I'd been gone for like a couple hours. I came back, there was some drama within my delegation between the Louisiana people and our people and our state chair was involved and Louisiana state chair was involved. And I was trying to get back to my seat and I, I came down the aisle, which there's stairs and I was standing there waiting for them to stop talking. And I was, I already knew what it was about. I hadn't even been there for a few hours, but I already knew it was going on because it'd been going on all week. And when I was standing there, a couple of the officials realized I was standing there and kind of started giving me weird looks. And I said like, you know, I'm just waiting, just waiting to get by. Um, I didn't want to interrupt because it looked pretty, pretty serious. And then one of them like turned around and grabbed my phone from my hand. I had it out because I had been like Facebook living before that and like texting and whatever. And so she grabbed my phone thinking that I was trying to like spy and record the conversation. And by the way, like, again, like these were all like party officials and or people heavily involved in the Hillary campaign. Here I am like 20 something year old girl with my Bernie shirt <laughs> just standing here and she turns around and grabs my phone as accusing me of recording a conversation and spying and I'm like no like that's not what I'm doing she tries to like unlock my phone and this older woman like falls down the stairs right next to me and again it's like the third day of the DNC I'm exhausted I'm emotionally drained um, all of a sudden these party officials start like yelling at me and telling me just to sit down like right on the end and then I'm like getting scared and overwhelmed because they're not letting me go back to where all my stuff is um, nor where like my community is that I feel like I'm actually a little bit a part of which would be the Bernie delegation and it just felt like it just made me feel even more like an outsider than I already did and I just like started crying and like just kind of pushed myself through um, to get to my seat and basically had like a breakdown. You know, I hadn't been there for hours. I wasn't a part of the drama between the two delegations or anything like that. And here I am having it in my head that I'm a bridge builder and I am trying to trying to merge these communities and show people that they have more in common than they think. And I get singled out and automatically assumed that I'm a part of the problem when I'm just standing there trying to go back to my seat. That was really hard for me. And if there was ever a moment that really made me reconsider my whole bridge builder idea, that was then because I had done nothing to this community to, to make them think that I was this kind of person, that I would stand there and spy yeah. um, and try to record something. I had multiple experiences that made me feel like I was getting treated poorly because I wasn't there to represent the person that they had already decided they wanted to be their candidate. They being people working at the DNC or party officials heavily involved in the Hillary campaign. Another example. Um, so on the actual floor of the DNC, they had workers, people that were there to tell people when to clap and to pass out a lot of their like gimmicky signs to hold up and like make things look good on camera. And if anyone was getting extra rowdy, 
tell them to not <laughs> do that and that sort of thing. The Colorado delegation definitely earned a name for themselves or for ourselves. Um, Colorado and California apparently were two of the rowdiest delegations there, um, for what I've heard, which I am proud to be a part of the Colorado delegation for other reasons than just that. But so again, they had these workers that were passing out signs. Us being a Bernie heavy delegation were placed right behind the Hillary heavy Louisiana delegation. A lot of the Bernie delegates had, you know, crafted their own signs or adjusted signs later on. Some of them I didn't really agree on. Some of them I feel like were more disrespectful than anything else. But that's the way they're choosing to express themselves. And that's totally fine with me because it's, you know, it's not, they were being respectful of the people behind them. They, at this point, um, had come to an agreement with the other people around us that they weren't going to really block other people's view, that they weren't going to be super loud and disrespectful and that they were going to, you know, tone it down a notch or so. At one point when we were getting handed our signs, I noticed that we our side of the delegation, we weren't really getting signs anymore. That Our worker that had been there the whole week just was kind of skipping over us um, and instead was handing out a ton of signs to the Louisiana delegation in front of us. And I was like, okay, whatever. Most of these are Hillary signs. Maybe they're just trying to make sure that the people that actually came here to represent Hillary are getting the signs so that they can take them home, whatever. Like there's a ton on the ground afterwards. If I want to take any, I'll just grab one of those. No big deal. So at one point, our governor, Governor Hickenlooper, had an opportunity to actually like talk at the DNC. And when he was talking, he's again, our governor, Colorado's governor, a lot of the delegates stood up silently with ban fracking signs or different signs that had to do with, with fracking, because that's something that has really affected our state. Everyone else is sitting down. Our Bernie delegates are standing with their signs. The DNC worker that was assigned to our section who had passed out more signs to the Louisiana delegation in front of us tells them to stand up and gives them more signs so that they can stand up and block us. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And I hadn't been vocal at that point. Like I was being neutral again. Like I'm trying to be a peaceful bridge builder. I was friggin' pissed at this point. Like <laughs> it is the last day of the DNC. This is our friggin' governor. We're allowed to stand here silently with our dang band fracking signs. Um, and send our message. Like, who the heck are you, Louisiana? Like, and I was, I was sitting directly behind them, and I just, I wasn't standing up. I don't even think at this point. But I stood up and was like, "What are you doing?" And I was just like yelling at these people in front of me, like asking them, "Why are you doing this? Why are you standing up right now? This isn't your governor. This isn't your state. This is affecting these delegates behind me. They've listened to your requests to tone it down a notch. They're being quiet." I was just. I was pissed at this point and I like grabbed a sign and I made one for myself really quick that said something along the lines of the DNC doesn't want you to see this sign, something like that. Just trying to like, you know, open your camera or something will see me so that I can, I can talk about what I've experienced about, you know, the DNC workers giving other delegates signs to block our message or to block what these people were trying to say. That pissed me off real bad, <laughs> obviously. Um, something else, um, there was a rumor going around on social media that I saw and also had people messaging me about was that the DNC was actually paying people to like fill seats. I don't know if they actually were getting paid, but I know that that is 100% true. When there were people out 
looking at vendors or people just didn't come that day, they had people that were readily available to come down and sit and fill those seats so that things looked good for the cameras, which was frustrating for multiple reasons. It was frustrating because that's not true as like what they are showing on TV isn't actually true. Making the room look like it's completely filled to the brim when so-and-so speaker comes on isn't actually the case. Um, A lot of people in that room weren't really thrilled to hear so-and-so speak. So they, they left the room or maybe they retired. Like, I don't know. It's just dishonest which kind of uh, apparently is the theme uh, (laughs) of the party, but um, or politics in general, I guess. Another reason why that was frustrating as a delegate was because your delegation has a a certain amount of alternates that are able to come and attend the DNC with you. They aren't actually allowed to sit on the floor with you. They have like special seating like up top. So it's frustrating that instead of saying, hey, alternates, like come on down, there's extra seats for you. They say, hey, random friends and family of the DNC, come on down and sit in these seats instead of allowing these people who worked so hard to raise the funds to come here and actually were elected by their community fill these seats. So that was frustrating. Um, the only other way that those delegates could come down and actually sit was if you like literally gave them your pass. So uh, there was a, an alternate that was elected from my community that like I traded out a few times so they could hear certain people speak. Or after my party turned against me, <laughs> like it turned against me, and I was just like an emotional wreck, I like left immediately for a few hours and like gave them my pass. But, anyways, that's another conspiracy that actually is true that they did have people come in and fill seats because I sat next to them. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Like I straight up, like I came back to my seat and there was a random person next to me, and I was like, hey, like, who are you? Like, oh, I'm, I work for the DNC. Oh, okay. This is weird. This is awkward. But what a cluster, man. So yeah. Anyways, I think those were the only signif- other significant stories that I can think of. Yeah. So so it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't a uh, overall positive experience for the democratic process for you. No, the DNC itself was not the the conversations that I was able to engage in outside of the actual convention made it worthwhile for me, though I would say. Okay. So the the relationships that you formed were encouragement enough to balance out whatever negative video you were feeling from the party itself. More or less, yeah. More or less, okay. <laughs> you know, the the relationship. I wouldn't even say the relationships. Like a lot of them were just conversations on the bus with random delegates from random random places. Um, I kind of like dedicated myself to be like a bridge builder. After one of the first couple days, I just kind of decided I can be upset and I can be angry and I can choose to display my anger in very obvious ways, such as joining some of the many protests that were going on and being super vocal, or I can take another approach and I can try to find similarities between this group of people, you know, the Hillary delegates or the the officials in the DNC party. Um, and I can try to find where we're similar and try to build bridges rather than, you know, building walls <laughs> or <laughs> as well, uh, some other, some other people might. It's, it's funny that you mentioned that, but do you feel that that, um, the fact that Trump was the other side's, uh, nominee, do you think that that helped contribute into your decision to be more of a bridge maker than, maybe go off of what you were actually feeling and kind of want to rage against the system a little bit. 
I'm not sure. Um, I think if someone else who was maybe less, I don't know if someone else who was less scary was the other side's candidate. I, th- I don't think that had a large contributing factor to how I behaved. Um, I think that that's just kind of who I am. And I feel like being in the church community and being a part of like our youth group for so long kind of like helped form me into that person to be more of a bridge builder than, um, you know, a wall builder and pointing out all of the differences that we have. I don't know. I also knew that I wasn't going to be able to get anything done unless I made connections with these people because these are the people that have control. So if I wanted to learn, if I wanted to grow, if I wanted to ultimately make a difference in this process, then I needed to find those similarities. And also, Bernie was a great example of an outsider working from the inside, or is a great example of that. And that's that's who I look to a lot for how to behave and how I should be reacting to these sort of things. So once everything was done, Hillary was confirmed as the nominee, Where, where were you at that point? crying in my seat (laughs) (laughs) so it's real Um, emotional in the in the arena itself oh my gosh yeah i'm probably gonna start crying like while we're talking (laughs) um yeah it was really emotional for bernie delegates for hillary delegates um you know there were a lot of hillary delegates even on the the colorado side you know older women who were waiting for have been waiting for this day I've been waiting for a woman to be placed at the front and represent their party. And as a woman, like, you know, that's an an emotion that I'm struggling with because this isn't the person I want. But um, my candidate is just behaving so gracefully throughout this entire process and, you know, dealing with the emotions of feeling disenfranchised and then also just not getting any sleep at all. It was really emotional. Some of the things that stand out to me that are forever embedded in my head from that specific night, one of them being when um, Bernie's brother got to announce how many delegates, Democrat, I'm pretty sure he was with Democrats from abroad, when he got to announce how many delegates they were sending to Bernie. That was just beautiful and emotional. And he was crying, Bernie was crying. And then also when... Bernie came down and sat with his Vermont delegation and sat with them and waited for their time to speak and got to announce his delegates and then ultimately conceding. That the way that Bernie handled that situation, you know, first of all, he he asked to for Vermont to go last. Um, he allowed every single person to be heard and he gave every single person to the best of his abilities, a time for a time for their voice to be heard and have an opportunity to be a part of this whole process, and then conceded and didn't yell, didn't scream, didn't make a big fuss about things. He gave his delegation's numbers and he walked off. I hope that I can have as much grace and humility as Bernie had in that moment. Hmm. What seems like also in that moment he really had deep connection with his people like that his, oh, yeah. his his job before that as a senator he really invested in to the people that he was representing and, and the way you describe that scenario that's uh i don't know that that, that feels like a, a person that when they say they're about the people that they really are that they, they had a relationship with the people that voted for him for senator in the first place 
Oh, definitely. I mean, so the way that the room was set up, there was the floor and then it's the bleachers began and then there was even higher bleachers behind that. And then there was this strip like ribbon kind of that just went all the way around the room where all of like the important people were like Bill Clinton was sitting right behind us the whole time and Bernie and Jane had their booth. And so he actually like came down onto where we were, which was a whole bunch of security (laughs) to have to go through and everything and, and sat in the chairs with his delegation. Wow. That's with his people. He came down to the floor where his community was. And I think that's another thing with Bernie is like, (laughs) I was thinking about it while I'm, while I've been talking to you and I don't really refer to him as Senator Sanders very often. Um, I feel like he has consistently projected the idea that we really are equal he released something on like a live video on his Facebook like last week. And he was wearing a like Colorado college zip up hoodie, (laughs) Um, (laughs) you know, some free swag that he got while he was here last weekend or or whenever it was. I don't know. I've never, I've never felt like he projected the idea that he was above us. And I feel like him coming down to sit with his community was a perfect example of that. Hmm. Did you ever get a chance to, to meet him? I did, and it was the best day ever. <laughs> it was actually just recently. It was a couple of weeks ago. Um, he was in town campaigning for Hillary, and I have been working with some of our local candidates running for different positions here. And one of them invited me to attend this this rally that she was speaking at. Electra Johnson, um, she's wonderful, and I got to hang out in like the media section and like Facebook Live for her. And after he spoke, she just ran over and grabbed well, before he was even done, she just ran over and grabbed myself and one of our friends and just pulled us down from the media station. And she didn't even say anything, but we knew we were going to meet Bernie. (laughs) And then, um, you know, we went into this like secret back room behind the stage with a handful of other local officials and important figures. And I'll forever remember Bernie running out and saying, we need to go outside. We need to go outside. There's people that are waiting there's people that are waiting for me. They've been out there. And he was just so concerned with the people that were standing outside in the cold that couldn't get into the building and wanting to address them. We were lucky enough that we got to snap a really quick picture with him per his request really fast. I need to get outside. And then he got outside and addressed the rest of the people. And again, like that is just who he is. And I love that I got I got to see him act like that. Like I had the opportunity to see another example of him putting his supporters and putting the community, not even his supporters, it was a Hillary rally, you know, putting the community before himself after he spoke to the people outside. I did get a chance to actually like talk to him for a couple seconds and, you know, shake his hand and, and that sort of thing. But, Oh man. Yeah. (laughs) It's, he's remained consistent, I guess, throughout this entire process. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of those consistencies being again, just putting other people before himself and not, making me or people at least in my community feel like they're lower than him. So after the disappointment of your candidate not winning and the, um, the sometimes very sad nature of the, the DNC itself, what, what kept you going? You mentioned that you're, you're now involved with more with your local politics and trying to get more involved. So it sounds like on a certain level, this whole, experience has inspired you to get more involved and what pushed you forward and what prevented you from just saying, 
forget this. I tried and, and it's no good. Oh man. Um, back to the, where I mentioned that I had some really good conversations at the actual DNC. Um, some of those are part of what inspires me to keep moving forward. One specific instance, we were on our bus heading over to the Wells Fargo center where the DNC was held. And mind you, like these buses, they're not assigned. So it's just whoever gets on the bus. So I was with one of my friends, Spencer, who was also um, a Bernie delegate from Colorado. And we were like eating our lunch on the way to um, the Wells Fargo Center. And there was a ton of other delegates on this bus. In front of us, there was a group having a conversation about legalizing marijuana on like a federal level. And it was recreational marijuana specifically. I think that there was a delegate from Washington, California, um, somewhere in the Midwest, and then us from Colorado. We were the only ones from a state that had passed marijuana recreationally. Anyway, so they were discussing it, and Spencer and I had already had – this was Wednesday. So Tuesday was when Hillary was picked to be the the candidate. So this is Wednesday. We're feeling extra drained and extra emotional, but – um, we decided we want to get involved in this conversation, you know, being from a state that has some experience in this department. Spencer actually called out and was like, you know, in my experience, I started talking about his experience. And these other delegates we were talking with actually were Hillary delegates. And there was a woman who was in front of us who, once we all started talking, once Spencer got us into the conversation, she started, she actually got up and started taking pictures of our part of the bus. And we were like, oh, that's weird. Okay, whatever. So we get off the bus while we're waiting in line to go through security that delegate that was taking pictures she yells out to us colorado and we like look over and she like waves at us and like holds up a finger like asking us to wait so we tell her like yeah like we'll you know we'll wait for you on the other side so we go through security she comes over to us once she gets through we walk we start walking to the actual convention hall and she like goes to talk to us and she just starts bawling and we're like oh my gosh like what's going on (laughs) um and she just wanted to share with us like how beautiful of an experience that was for her to witness us coming together. And specifically as Bernie, Dele- she was a Hillary delegate. We found out from Washington specifically us as Bernie delegates, rather than putting our walls up and not wanting to engage with any of these other Hillary delegates and talking over them or being upset. We, we tried to find those commonalities that we have. That is where I really decided that this is what I need to keep doing. I need to keep fighting to build those bridges. You know, as hard as it may be sometimes just to keep having those conversations. But yeah, that was a really neat experience for me, especially after feeling like like an outsider for so long, like having somebody like recognize what we are trying to do and stuff. I don't know. Yeah. It was just a really cool experience. Well, I guess after all that, it's time to address the orange elephant in the room. Oh, gosh. <laughs> what? What what went through your head uh, when it was confirmed that uh, Donald Trump would be our next president? How how did you feel? And did that did that reshape at all the whole experience that you had up till that point? Like, did it did it reframe that in your mind at all, or or how have you kind of processed through that since then? Oh man, um, so post DNC, I kind of went into political hibernation. I had said I was going to help some of our local candidates and then life just kind of happens. Uh, a lot of things kept, kept me busy and it felt kind of good. Also, if I'm completely honest, just kind of give myself a break from politics. Mm -hmm. 
up until the last few weeks before the election, I hadn't really been involved. So I kind of got myself reinvolved and started helping more with some of my local candidates and getting back involved with my local Democratic Party. Just so happened that the Democratic election watch party was in the hotel next to the office that I work in now. So come election day, I had people texting me like, hey, are you going to come? And I convinced myself to go. (laughs) And I went and that was an interesting experience. A lot of people were like, oh, yeah, like Hillary's got it in the bag. No big deal. Um, This overconfidence that had been so evident for me, at least, throughout my entire experience of being a delegate was just even heavier, um, especially going to my local Dem party. Everyone was just like, I don't know, it just felt really ingenuine, (laughs) like people just being really excited and just like overconfident. And I remember at work before the results started to roll in, like I was talking to some of my coworkers and was just like, man, like, you know, I'm kind of actually nervous. And I know that the people, at least from what I've seen, people haven't really been talking about the idea of Trump actually winning. Something in me, man, I'm just really nervous about this. And everyone like, oh, no, it's fine. Like, you'll be good. And then I go to the party and it's the same kind of thing. And as the night goes on, 7 p.m. our time, a mountain time kind of rolls around and I start to feel the mood shift a little bit. And I ended up leaving and I went over to my my friend who happened to be running for Congress, um, who also happened to be one of the first transgender women to actually win the nominee for their party. She didn't end up winning ultimately because my area is super Republican. But anyways, I went over to her house a little bit more low key to kind of finish up the night and just it kept not going in our favor um, as the night went on. And I was just getting like more nervous and scared that eventually turned into being terrified of what actually was looking like it was going to happen. And it got to a point where I was just like, I can't be with people right now. I need to just go home. And I remember I dropped my fellow Bernie delegate off at her car and drove home. And I just sat in my parking lot for probably like 25 minutes, refreshing the Google elections page, fighting off tears um, and trying to tell myself that this wasn't true. Like thinking of all the different scenarios that would put Trump on the bottom and getting a text from one of my friends who was at our local watch party saying, if, if he gets Pennsylvania, we're done. Like if he gets Pennsylvania, it's done, which I had already been told if we get Ohio, it's done. And then that came and went. And, you know, the next thing was if he gets Pennsylvania, it's done. And just sitting there and refreshing and refreshing and refreshing. And eventually he won Pennsylvania I don't know. It was really emotional. It was more emotional than I thought it would be. I thought that the DNC was emotional and I thought meeting Bernie was emotional. But a Trump presidency is emotional for a lot of different ways. Yeah, I mean, we've we've all felt it. Well, at least on this side of the fence, we've all felt it to varying degrees. Um, yeah. So what about what about now as far as your future in politics was this overall experience and roller coaster of emotions is this something that you feel like there's still hope there's still worthwhile causes to be a part of and and engage in the process more to help be a part of some kind of change like is is that where you are or are you more just no none of it or somewhere in the middle or just kind of wait and see um there was definitely a grieving process 
that I went through and that lasted a couple days. I saw on Facebook, like the morning of your sister had posted, it's like, I'm, you know, she's wearing all black today and grieving. And ironically enough, or coincidentally, I was also dressed in all black and just seeing all these people around me just grieving helped in some ways. But as far as what my future looks like, it's really strange. But once I got through, well, at least mostly got through that grieving process after a couple of days, it was really strange, but I felt more connected to my community than I ever had, um, even as a delegate. I guess to put it simply, like, I'm definitely not done. There's no way that I can be done. There's even more things that need to be fought for. And there's more people now. I feel now more than ever, I feel like we need to be a voice for people, you know, that aren't in the upper class, people that Trump have spe- has specifically said some horrible things about. I guess is what it comes down to. You know, my local community went pretty red. They've become more progressive over over the years, but specifically within my community, um, there's a lot of work to do. We have a a, um, leadership meeting, I guess for lack of better terms, on Friday to just some local organizers and activists and people that are involved in different communities within um, my area. We're going to get together on Friday and talk about the things that are being created in, in all these different little pockets of, of progressives within my area and see where we can help each other and see what our next steps really look like. Hmm. Um, there's also this movement called Dem Enter um, that's going around where there, you know, there was Dem Exit. Um, after the DNC, a lot of people switched their party affiliation to green or independent. And I have personally seen some people that went green or went independent come back to the Democratic Party. And it makes me really happy because, in my opinion, the Democratic Party is the best route to making change. It's screwed up. That's for sure right now. Like <laughs> The way that things currently are is pretty screwed up. It's not very progressive. And it's it's not a great reflection of the community it's supposed to represent. But in your sense, is it is Trump's election being kind of a wake-up call and do you feel like there's like a almost a sense of reinvigoration like okay we lost sight we have we have work to do and that there's people you know starting to rise up and be like we're not going to let this happen again yeah i agree completely there are a lot of people who are fired up and yeah some of them it's going to fade after a little bit but i genuinely believe that there are a lot of people that are fired up and ready to fight and are going to continue to fight harder And I'm really excited to see what happens and to be a part of it. That's great. Well, Angelina, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your experience and give us some details about the whole process. And it, it gives me hope that someone that can go through all that and see the, the, the best and the worst that the political system has to offer and to um, still find hope and know that there's still more work to do. Uh, Like I appreciate it. I can't wait to, to see some of the things that are coming from, from your area and then hopefully the overall left progressive wing of politics uh, stepping up and taking this wake up call and doing exactly what you, what you are doing right now. So thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, of course. Thank you. And if you would like to add your voice to this conversation, you can do that at the show notes at irenacast.com slash 92. That's irenacast.com slash 92. And there you can leave a comment and also there'll be links to all the, some of the various things that we talked about in this conversation. Um, So for this week, thanks for joining us. 